Welcome to the Guess Why podcast with your co-hosts, Nick and Caitlin, your friendly neighborhood married couple, asking each other questions that start with the word why. That's right. My name is Caitlin. And I'm Nick. Yep. Sorry. I'm distracted. I've got a cute dog next to me. That's okay. This week, because I had already come up with a question I wanted to research about, I decided, we decided, that our topic of the week would be fashion. So that we could be in the general kind of area, um, both of us being talking about the same area of interest. So I'm going to be talking about a women's fashion question, and Nick is going to be talking about a men's fashion question. Do you have anything to add? No, I think that pretty much covers it. Good. My question is, why do women wear high heels? Mm. So Nick... Why do women wear high heels? So, well, I think there's a, probably a few reasons. One, I think there's some people out there, men and women both, who just like to suffer during the day. Uh, high heels sound terrible. I've worn them once. That's maybe a story from an, another time. Uh, I, thought <laughs> I do want to hear that story. I thought they were bad. Uh, I've never seen someone in high heels who looked like they were at ease. I've never heard anybody talk about high heels being comfortable. And so it's certainly not for comfort. Uh, Second, I think, well, obviously high heels make someone appear a little bit taller. And so that's probably a good confidence boost for a lot of women uh, who are wearing them. And then finally, there's a certain element of sort of this perceived high fashion or just a yeah just a high a higher caliber of 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 fashion choice uh might go into choosing a heel over versus say a flat or a sandal or a a sneaker wow you sound like you've really given a lot of thought to this question already somehow you have a three-point answer well you know it is what it is so i'll give my answer as And I'll give a preface to this. I'm not a huge high heel wearer. I do have one to two pairs of high heel shoes. And well, you can tell how much I wear them being that I don't know if I have one or two pairs. The one that I'm thinking about though is only like an inch to an inch and a half high and it's used on special occasions and I feel so fine when I wear them. Mm. Um, so that's my number one reason that I think that women wear high heels. For some reason, they just make us feel good. They make us feel confident, taller, more attractive. Um, and whenever we feel more confident, taller, attractive, that makes us more assertive, um, more powerful. I also think it's a good strategy for footwear, for outfits, where otherwise you're wearing like longer legs or like the skirt is really long. And so... You have to get your feet a little bit higher off the ground so you don't step on your skirt. So, two questions, uh, just to interject real quick. One, what is technically classified as a high heel? Because I would think of something as, you know, an inch or two as being a flat or just an elevated heel. Because most flats have a little bit of heel elevate, and most, or, and for that matter, most sneakers for men and women have a bit of heel elevation. That's, That's the, true. the whole reason why zero drop shoes exist for running and trail hiking and things like that. And so, what classifies as a high heel? 
and then second, um, mm. see, this is the problem with having a cocktail immediately before. Because did you forget your second question? I've forgotten my second <laughs> question. Yeah, so uh, I did not look up what classifies a high heel. Oh, excuse me. Okay. Got it. Got it. Go got it. it. Okay, so first question is what classifies as a high heel? Yeah. Second question is why not just adjust or hem or tailor pants and skirts and dresses to not be quite as long so you're not just tripping over the, the excess fabric? Okay. So part one, I don't know what classifies a high heel. I think basically anything that gets your heel a little bit higher than your toes and looks fancy. I feel like the hmm. important thing about a high heel is that it make it's it's a little bit fancier than a flat is. Anytime I think about a high heel, I think about somebody on a runway at like a wedding or some kind of like fancy event. For me, a high heel isn't a daily wear shoe. Although for other women who are a little bit more into like high fashion, which I'm not really, I'm not like the end all be all or even necessarily a like a resource for fashion. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This is just what I looked up on Google because I was interested in the question. But I would say that like the high heel for a woman, the heel is higher than the toe and there's a visible difference between the height of the heel and the height of the toe. Mm. Say there's like that one inch, even a high heel could be just like that one inch little peg at the very back um, that makes the shoe at more of an incline and you can see the incline. Whereas on say a tennis shoe, even if the high, if even if there is an incline at the heel of the tennis shoe, you don't necessarily see that gradual incline on a tennis shoe. Okay. Um, and so I would, mm -hmm. I would consider a high heel as there's a visual difference between the heel height and the toe height of the shoe. Your second question, uh, why would you not just hem the dress or get a shorter outfit? Some of us are excellent procrastinators, including myself. And so say if I buy a dress or a skirt or some other kind of outfit for an event and it just happens to get there the day before the event, you just don't have time to take it to a tailor with the shoes. Secondly, you might not have the money to take it to a tailor just for the shoes. So if you already have shoes that work with the outfit, go with the shoes. Sure, yeah. Don't okay. change the outfit. Yeah. No, that's fair. Any other questions before we proceed? No, I don't think so. Okay. So I did, of course, look at Cura first, as we've kind of decided to do. But there weren't any goldmine answers to this question, this specific question, the way that it was worded. Whenever I looked up, why do women wear high heels? The questions that I got were related questions of people asking why only women wear high heels, which by the way, it's not just women. And it didn't start just with women. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. And then there was another very, very common question in which was, Someone requesting people to post pictures in their highest heels. Um, we'll just leave you all to your imagination as to why they might be asking that. They might just be interested. I don't know. Let's move on. Obviously, I think that we have to do a history lesson of the high heel. There have been high heels for years and years and years. And I'm just going to do maybe the earliest history of like where the high heels came from and then how they turned into women's high heels versus men's high heels. And so, Nick, can you tell me, if you just happen to know, when the first high heels might have been used or 
like where they might have been found first? Yeah, so my best guess would be, so if we're talking about historical civilizations, the earliest recorded historical civilizations that have, well, that are recorded, that have a, a, a written history would be ancient Egyptian. And I feel like I have a vague recollection of seeing hieroglyphs or some ancient Egyptian art that depicts people with basically platform shoes. Um, and then, well, and then just in general with medicine and technology and architecture, the ancient Egyptians were well ahead of their time, arguably assisted with perhaps alien technology or, you know, I don't know. I, yes. we, 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 won't, we, won't, uh, we won't dig too deep uh, into the yeah. conspiracy theories here. But suffice it to say, the ancient Egyptians were well ahead of certainly any other civilization at the time that we know of anyway. So I'm going to say probably the ancient Egyptians, so circa 3000 BC, 2400 BC. Mm, I don't know the year, but somehow you're right on ancient Egypt. Nice. Um, so at least according to Wikipedia, high-heeled and platform shoes were first recorded in ancient Egypt. Mm-hmm. And men specifically would use thick-soled sandals, like the platform shoes you're talking about, um, as a status symbol. They didn't mention anything about aliens, though. So maybe we could do another podcast at another time where we might answer the question, why are aliens and Egyptians? Why, are, why do people think that ancient Egypt is an alien society? I don't know, but that's, we'll just have to write that down. So butchers also, wow, you type loud. Um, butchers also in ancient Egypt were described as using like a high-heeled shoe or like a platform shoe, why do you think that would be? Well, if we're going back to the earlier point of a dress being too long or pants legs being too long, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I assume butchers were using them to get their otherwise naked toes out of blood and guts. Uh, Yeah, that's exactly right. And I don't blame them at all. I do think that they should probably have had better ways of like cleaning and butchering meat in disposing of blood and guts. Um, But according to Wikipedia, they were said to have used sandals with elevation to keep their toes away from the grime from their work, which is disgusting. Another time when platform or high-heeled shoes were used in sort of ancient cultures was during Manchu China, during the Qing Dynasty, and they wore platform shoes But the weird thing about their platform shoes, and I don't know about this for ancient Egyptians, but in China they used platform, their platform was right in the middle of the foot, like between the toes and the heel. Mm -hmm. So there wasn't a platform aspect of the shoe at the toe or the heel. It was like multiple inches. And there's a picture of this, I think on abc.com or cbs.com, where they did this whole like article about it, but... They just had the platform right in the middle, which seems so uncomfortable. Yeah, that seems terrible. Listen to this. In two points, I'll tell you what really seems terrible. The next people that are notably using the um, the high-heeled or platform shoe is actually in the military. So they use high-heeled boots to allow warriors to stand up 
on horses. Like they would put their boots in the stirrups. Mm -hmm. And these warriors specifically would aim and shoot bow and arrows, but they needed to be able to stand up and not fall off their horse. So their shoes had this heel at the end of them so that their feet could stay in the stirrups. Yeah, yeah, like cowboys. Yes, and actually that's like a a precursor to male high heels. And then during the medieval period of Europe, they got the idea of the high heel from Persian emissaries and adapted it as their own, as we do, as every culture does when they get a new idea. And they wore platform shoes, especially during the medieval period, like I said, to make sure that they were not stepping in the grime and like the grossness of a city street. Guess how tall those platform shoes were in the medieval times in Europe. So we're talking about just utility of getting out of the muck. Three inches. Two to three inches. Multiply that by ten. (laughs) Jeez. Thirty inches. Thirty inches for platform shoes. That was the highest shoe that was... (laughs) Um, noted during the medieval period. That sounds terrible. I'll tell you. I'm going to look up really quick how high actual stilts are. I was going to say, yeah, it sounds like walking on stilts. Okay, so they're not quite as high as stilts. Stilts are apparently... cartoonish. Stilts can be as high as 13 feet. Which, by the way, I don't understand how people don't fall down in stilts. (laughs) But still, so, so high... But I guess if you have so much, like, toilet chamber stuff, like, just drowning in the streets, I feel like you'd have to get up pretty high. Especially if they didn't have any kind of way to clean the street or didn't have any protocol for that, especially in those areas where maybe there was less regulation of what you could put on the streets. That might be a good reason to wear something like a platform shoe, which was 30 freaking inches. Yeah. Eventually, though, right before the Enlightenment, the French started to make regulations for high heels. Would you like to hear what class was allowed to wear what size of high heel? Well, of, first of all, of course that has to do with class. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it yeah. was a status symbol. The Classic. higher the shoe, the of higher course. the status. Yeah, okay. Um, regulations based on social status for high heels. Ready for this? Right. You and I, as commoners, should only wear a half-inch heel. If you're part of the bourgeois in France during the 1700s, uh, you should wear one inch. If you're a knight, you get one and a half inches, and then two inches for nobles, and two and a half inches for princes. Note, there is no rule for princesses. Evidently, that wasn't that common for women to be wearing high heels during this time, or at least it didn't mention it during the Wikipedia article, which did not mention princesses. So, speaking of women, though, as the question is specifically, why do women wear high heels? Catherine de' Medici, who we referenced last time during our previous podcast about forks, unedited, unreleased, Um, was cited as the first woman to be recorded wearing high heels. And so not only did she bring high heels to women, thanks a lot, Catherine, she also brought a lot of our table manners, which, well, we won't talk about that. Yeah, she's quite the the trendsetter. 
Yes, so during the time of Catherine de Medici, who was an Italian woman who married one of the kings of France, Henry II, I think, they, and by they I mean people who were fashionable during this time, had to make a distinction between a women's heel and a men's heel. And so at this time, that is why women's heels are super thin and men's heels are really thick. Then during the Enlightenment, thicker heels were made for men, thinner heels were made for women, and the thin heels were supposed to signify that women were like extravagant and superficial and uh, not that functional. So good job on that for decreasing the value of women. Thanks a lot for that. As well as the status symbol as they were previously. If women had that teeny tiny little heel, they were higher status. There's been a lot of waxing and waning since then, but I did think it was pretty interesting at least to see the beginning of it. There's a lot of other social stuff, but uh, I just really got in the weeds and I don't want to talk about it anymore, so <laughs> let's continue. Okay. <laughs> Any thoughts, comments, concerns, etc. about the history of the high heel up to the Enlightenment? So you, you said you didn't, you didn't see much about why it was predominantly focused on men's fashion. And nope. Okay. Okay. Probably because they were higher class than women. They just were. Sure. Okay. Fair enough. If I can imagine. Anyway, I'm not a historian, but based on uh, high school history, that's what I would say. Yeah. Okay. So here is a little bit of an intermission, which is related searches from Google. So when I typed in the question, why do women wear high heels? These related searches came up. Number one, reasons to wear high heels. Mm -hmm. Number two, what do high heels say about a woman? I feel like that's pretty subjective. Number three, who invented high heels for ladies? We kind of already talked about that. I would credit Catherine de Medici with uh, cursing us with high heels. Yeah. And number four, are high heels bad for you? So let's get into it. I did look up some studies that were in actual scientific journals. I thought it was super interesting that something like this was in a scientific journal, such as Frontiers in Psychology. So this specific study that I looked at was called Why Women Wear High Heels, colon, evolution, comma, lumbar curvature, comma, and attractiveness. Hmm. So the study first references another study, which explains that now in with our female ancestors during pregnancy the lumbar curvature angle changes and if your lumbar curvature angles gets too big you can get like a spinal cord injury or other like spinal injuries with pregnancy and so there's a an optimal lumbar curvature angle that is still good for carrying a baby during pregnancy mm-hmm. because you know all of your weight goes forward because you got a big old belly bump and so that angle of optimal like health is 45.5 degrees hmm. which is a crazy amount of curvature of your lumbar spine yeah. yeah um but those people who are able to get or they have that lumbar curvature are more likely to survive pregnancies and have multiple pregnancies that are vital and uh, not be totally like in pain afterward or otherwise die or otherwise just have really, really bad um, outcomes. Mm -hmm. And so that 45.5 degree angle somehow 
men evidently just love that angle because they know that's the optimal angle for continuing population. So you guys are really, really smart out there. Way to go. So during the study, they used two parts. First, they found pictures of celebrities and they found them standing to the side like a profile angle so one picture would be of them wearing flats and then the same celebrity would be wearing high heels on another occasion but they'd still be that kind of like side profile Mm -hmm. and they took two groups of men one group got to look at people wearing flats one group got to look at people wearing high heels and the group that rated the same people wearing high heels rated those women almost an entire point higher on like an attractiveness scale. So like one is like totally ugly, 10 is holy moly, I wanna like, you know, be your friend. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so, but that study didn't, or that part of the study didn't like account for their faces or what they're wearing or anything like that. So they did a second part of the study where they took college students or like college age participants and took two pictures of them one in flats, one in heels. They cut off the bottom part of them, like the, um, not their butt, but their ankles and like below their calves. Mm-hmm. And they cut off their heads. And that was firstly for anonymity. Secondly, so that they would not be judged on how their face looked, um, like how attractive their facial features were. Mm-hmm. And then thirdly, so that the men wouldn't be just attracted to the high heels themselves, which I thought was really interesting. They also measured the, the angle of their lumbar curvature. So those, like the curvature during the flats and then the curvature during the high heels. Mm-hmm. And then they had men rate them like randomly, um, one to 10. Still, the people wearing high heels, for the most part, were rated higher. But it was interesting that whenever they looked at the lumbar curvature angle, the people who were rated higher were those that got toward that 45 degree or 45.5 degree angle, whereas those who went away from it say they already had like a big, a big curvature angle, mm-hmm. if you know what I mean. They were rated either the same or less attractive. And so they determined that that lumbar curvature angle is the reason that people, men, like high heels. Mm-hmm. There's another study out there that talked about models walking with and without high heels, like flats versus high heels, and the high heels did change the way that they walked. Um, They didn't account for the lumbar curvature angle or anything like that about the actual model themselves, but they did note that like the smaller, daintier steps are rated as more attractive and more feminine than flat heel shoe steps. Mm -hmm. And then another study, which I found very interesting, was a study by Watkins and Leach, which reported that women who expressed higher sexual desires also rated their interest in buying and wearing high-heeled shoes higher. So those people who are already buying and wearing them are more interested in having, not all of them certainly, but more women are, who are buying high-heeled shoes are more interested in having sexual encounters or like, maybe not actually having sex, but are more interested in some kind of relationship that is sexual, according to this study anyway. I'm sure that's not all women. So their conclusion was that people who are wearing high-heeled shoes are more likely to have the sexual encounter by their own reports. And so that may be why men feel 
that high heels indicate a more sexy woman because they're more likely to be able to have sex with her. Another study that I read was called On a Pedestal, High Heels and the Perceived Attractiveness and Evolutionary Fitness of a Woman by T. Joel Wade et al. I mostly just looked at the introduction of this one because you had to pay for the rest of it. And what they did was they took a silhouette of a woman wearing flats versus high heels and they had men and women and also transgendered people who had transitioned from female to male to rate this woman on scales of physical attractiveness, sexual attractiveness, interestingness, kindness, etc. Um, and they ended up finding that the majority of those people rated the person with high heels as sexier, more physically attractive, etc. The important part of that study though since I didn't get to read all of it because you had to pay for it, which I do appreciate and support, but I just couldn't just support you this time. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, sorry. Uh, so they cited studies during the introduction that say um, that people find long legs more attractive, and as well, they um, they find long legs more like associated with good health, mm-hmm. and so they also find that high heels make your legs look longer. And so it may be that women want their legs to look longer so they're more attractive and they look healthier. Because everybody wants to look healthy, right, and be healthy. They're also more expensive. High heels are more expensive than flat shoes. And so they're still a status symbol, even though you know we're not saying that if you're a prince, you can wear two and a half inch heels or whatever, Mm -hmm. um, they're like a symbol of wealth. So that's another reason that women may wear high heels. They're also really uncomfortable for people who are not necessarily used to wearing a high heel. And so those people who are wearing high heels may be seen as stronger or more healthy because they can wear a high heel and like survive the entire night or survive the entire day at work wearing a high heel. Mm. Okay. So those might be some reasons that people would wear high heels. The only related Google question that we haven't answered so far is, are high heels bad for you? What do you think, Nick D? I would say, yeah, almost certainly. Because if you're talking about increasing or, or just changing the angle of the lumbar spine, then that's going to put more strain on the low back, which is going to put strain on the hips and even in theory on the shoulders and then inside of the actual shoe your foot is elevated to a point that is or your heel is elevated over your toes to a point that is unnatural meaning just beyond that which was intended at birth and so that probably throws off some of the musculature of the, the foot and the calf and overall leads to greater strain on the body and it throws off your center of balance too. I would say based on what I can tell from the internet and from my experience so far as a healthcare professional, I would agree with some of your points. So number one, I think that high heels are okay if you are strong enough to wear them. Hmm. And I'll say 
like high heels, because you're walking on your toes, brings all of your weight forward in your body, right? Yeah. We already know that it increases the curvature of your lumbar spine, so it does put more stress on the muscles that support your lumbar spine, because that's not like naturally where it goes. It also increases the amount of pressure there is at your kneecap and puts more pressure over your toes. Mm-hmm. And so I would say probably it's not the greatest thing to wear every single day. Like if you're like at a desk job anyway, and you're wearing high heels and you're sitting down most of the day, it's probably not going to change much about how you feel. But say if you're having to walk a lot for your job or stand a lot for a, for your job, it may increase the like pressure that you have over the joints forward. I would say that it's a little bit better for people who already have really, really strong like thighs, really, really strong back, really, really supportive musculature around your ankles but if your balance isn't that good if your ankles aren't that strong you might do some exercise to strengthen that area before you wear high heels Mm -hmm. especially because there were at least on wikipedia there was a citation for some research saying that high heels increased your rate of falling down and Mm -hmm. i would say that's pretty bad for your health and so we'll say high heels aren't the best for you especially if you're already injured and especially if they're 30 inch stacks yeah i would say you're probably more likely to fall um <laughs> probably. so yeah that's what i have on high heels can yeah, you imagine somebody in the middle ages walk around their 30 inch boots no trying to stay out of the the mud and the the infested poo in the streets and Honestly, I don't understand how anyone right survived. How would you survive the Middle Ages of, or like the medieval times of, like, just literally having poop in the streets? Like, how do your feet not? Well, I mean, how, ugh. Most, of, I mean, statistically, most people in the established societies didn't make it. That's the whole reason the. Like, the I'm bubonic just impressed plague, anyone did. The Black Death spread because of reasons like that. I wonder if more people had had 30-inch high heels, there would be less black death. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> but, I mean, I, I think it, I could be wrong, but I think average life expectancy at that time was something like 45 years old or oh less. I do have an intermission before we go on to your topic. And it's a poem about high heels. So this is a poem called Why Women Wear Heels? Question mark. A poem by Philo Yan on poemhunter.com. I can tell you're riveted by this content because of your yawn. So <laughs> this is a really good start. Women wear heels, fashion dictate. Women wear heels to imitate. Women wear heels to feel great. Women wear heels to look taller. Women wear heels, feet look smaller. Sky high heels to look sexy. To walk on heels, one can't be lazy. To walk on heels, a balancing act. To walk on heels, risks the back. So, a good summary of our entire conversation. In case you were interested in that. I do appreciate it was published on Saturday, September 29th, 2012. Thank you. Thank you, Philo Yon. What a poem. What a poem. Okay, your turn. 
So, as a total aside, one, I would have bet any amount of money leading up to today that you would have talked about why do why does women's clothing not have pockets? So maybe we could talk about that some other time. Yes, I will note, I you're totally right. You know me well in that aspect. It's something I want to leave for another time when I have a lot more research because it's okay. a big topic. Okay, okay. And I okay. didn't know it was a big topic, but it is a big topic. Duly noted. Well, so knowing that that's sort of one of your major beefs with women's fashion, one of my major beefs with men's fashion which is essentially the only sort of interesting question that I could come up with since I'm not particularly thoughtful about fashion, is why do men <laughs> wear ties? Oh, I knew you were going to say that. So Nick hates ties. Yeah. A tie is little better in my mind than a decorative noose. Oh, uh, gosh. And I, don't, I, don't, I do not like wearing them. But why, why do you think men wear ties? Well, from what I can see from my research about high-yield shoes, before the Enlightenment, men were just as like, frivolously fashioned as women. So they had like, a lot of like, frills, literal frills on their collars and stuff. Yep. And I feel yep. like the tie is probably a carryover from that, where men are no longer able to adorn themselves and like, really stuff, but they still want to do a little bit to give them a splash of color. So that's where the tie comes in. Yeah, you're, uh, you're, yes, you're pretty much right. Um, yeah, yeah. So my theory was similar to yours that ties are sort of this fashion holdover from the fancy and frilly neck cloths and collars worn by the war- the royalty and the high society upper class from sort of yesteryear, I think that probably, at, well, I, I, I should say, I thought that probably at some point the tie was co-opted in sort of a lesser fashion to sort of demarcate and distinguish between working time and leisure time. Hmm. Um, and this, of course, would have been more closer to the modern era. And then third, well, honestly, Ties, in my opinion, again, speaking as somebody who's not particularly fashion-oriented, ties, particularly with men, can really be a tool for peacocking, where men are wearing these just because they think it makes them look better, more powerful, more attractive, or more deserving of respect. Could you define peacocking? Well, it's, it's essentially just that, what I just said, of... This whole concept of, of doing something, wearing something, or speaking in a way that is showing off. Um, so like wearing try, red trying, trying to bring attention to yourself in the same way that a peacock, a male peacock, spreads its feathers to show off to a, a female peacock. In terms of the actual history of the tie, so dating back to, and again, we're, I'm, I'm focusing more so on the Western history of this, there were some examples of collared neckwear in the East, but the the lion's share of the literature skewed toward a Western emphasis, which isn't terribly surprising. I mean, that's 
this is pretty part of the course with history in general. But it, anyway, you, I digress. Did you use Wikipedia also? Yeah, so I used Wikipedia, BBC, and oh, some fashion website. It may have been GQ Men. Oh, um, that's a good one. But anyway, I digress. So going back to sort of the Western history of this bit of networkware. So in the early to mid-1600s in France, there was the Thirty Years' War, and there were all of these Croatian mission or missionaries. I mean mercenaries. The opposite, arguably yeah. the opposite the of opposite. mercenaries. Um, anyway, <laughs> these Croatian mercenaries, mercenaries working and fighting in France during the Thirty Years' War, and a lot of these Croatian mercenaries were these neckerchiefs that were sort of more along the lines of a bandana that we might see on a Boy Scout uniform or a Navy sailor uniform. And... Do you know what color they were? No, but... I mean, I would assume they were probably brown or black or some other color. Something that that would blend in. Yeah, that wasn't terribly ostentatious, Hmm. wouldn't draw attention, and for that matter, was you know, cheap to, to dye the fabric and all of that. Anyway, these these neckerchiefs began to attract the attention of the Parisian royalty, in particular King Louis the Fourteenth, who was sort of an early adopter, um, and he began wearing a much more decorative version of this called a cravat. And so a cravat was and forgive me if I'm mispronouncing this word, but essentially it was a sort of a portmanteau of a Croatian word and a French word. I think cravat is right. Um, And anyway, so you've got these really frilly, lacy cravats being used by the king, which then, of course, set just the standard for a new fashion within the French nobility. Of note, Louis the Fourteenth also wore a high heeled shoe. Yeah, and so also crossover there. Also of note, King Louis became king when he was somewhere between four and seven. Whoa! Um, because his dad did not trust the queen's basically political savviness, and so he instead of the sovereign power reverting to the queen until Louis came of age, which would have been sort of more of the the traditional method at the time. Um, He created sort of an executive royal council and placed the queen at the head of that until Louis got a little bit older. And so Louis was technically king at four, and then his coronation was, was not until a few years later. But regardless, he was essentially a, a toddler king of France um, for a few years. These cravats that King Louis was using that the High Court of France began to use were super involved to arrange because you're dealing with all these different layers of fabric. They're pretty frilly. They tie behind your neck um, and sometimes tie onto a piece of outerwear beyond just 
what you could tie onto your neck, and so it's it's tying into some sort of loop mechanism on another piece of clothing. All that to say, it just was really time consuming um, to arrange, and was oftentimes pretty quick to sort of come undone or needed a lot of rearranging within you know after a couple of hours of walking around with this. Yeah, can I just interject here? Yeah. I feel like, especially during the time that we're talking about of Louis the Fourteenth, wearing something around your neck like that seems like um, a hazard. Like if you're just like walking through the streets, or even if you're walking, like say you're a royalty, mm-hmm. like you're someone of noble status, and you're walking through the street, or you're walking next to the street, I feel like wearing something around your neck that is so easy to just yank on. Yeah. Yeah. is so dumb so well, dumb also probably worth noting the parisian royalty and high court weren't just walking on the streets with the commoners i mean they would have only been walking around that's true. their sort of established areas yeah within high court uh yeah. but you're you're you are right I, I i think it would lend itself to a lot of issues but that kind of brings me to the next sort of stage of neckwear, which came about in the early 1700s, and it was called a stock, which was essentially a leather collar, uh, almost like a choker, that was worn by the military. So this leather collar called the stock had three primary functions, or, or, or excuse me, a couple of primary functions. So one, you've got, because of sort of the width of it and its being tied around the neck, it sort of forced all of the soldiers to hold their heads or their chins high in accordance to military barons. Hmm. That's had a really thick collar. Yeah. And then second, because things like blades and bayonets, or well, bayonets in particular, were becoming more and more popular within battle at that time, these leather collars offered some protection against blades to the the blood vessels of the neck. Um, So just in case you did not sharpen your sword or your bayonet before battle, you would not be able to cut through this. Yeah, in in theory, or at least not as easily. Hmm. So, but going back to the more decorative versions, so in the early 1800s, you've got this book published called the Neckclothitania, which served as a sort of style manual and had these instructions and a bunch of illustrations on how to arrange your cravat in these these 14 distinctive styles. 14? Yeah, and none of them were particularly quick or easy to prepare, but this also happened to be the first publication to use the word tie in reference to neckwear. Um, and so it's also noteworthy for that reason, from a historical perspective. But anyway, because of this book and, and, the, and the styles therein that became so popular, the cravat really lent itself to showing off a man's elegance and his wealth because of the amount of skill that was required to sort of arrange these styles effectively and, and tie them appropriately as well as the expense of the materials to make the cravats to begin with. 
I wonder how sturdy those knots were. Well, like how actually useful they would have been. Yeah, so not very because they 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 had a tendency to become undone, and again, you're dealing with a lot of lacy sort of slippery fabrics, and so they don't retain knots very well, and so they did have a tendency to sort of become undone or need some sort of tidying up and rearranging uh, after a, a couple of hours. When you fast forward a little bit more to the late 1800s and early 1900s with the advent of the Industrial Revolution, you've got all of these new business executives that are still wanting sort of a status or a power symbol in the workplace, but they want a version of the cravat that is much easier to arrange and would stay in place with a lot less fuss. And so there begin this sort of new wave of neckties composed of more simple, longer, and thinner pieces of fabric that could just be knotted in the front so as to be more efficient. And then specifically in 1922, you've got this American tie maker named Jesse Langsdorf, and he came up with this method of cutting tie fabric on the bias and sewing it in a way that improved the overall stretch of the fabric, which in turn improved its ability to retain its shape after repeated uses without becoming so wrinkled. Could you define what the bias is so, of a fabric? Yeah, so cutting and sewing along the bias is really just referring to this, this concept and method of, of maximizing the natural stretch of a given fabric or of compensating for the, the natural stretch of the fabric. So anyway, these, these so-called Langsdorf ties were, they were simpler, they were a little bit neater looking, they retained their shape really well without getting so wrinkled after you had tied the knot a few times. And so these Langsdorf ties are essentially the same kind of ties still used today in the American, in the American and the Western workforce. And I suppose to, well, and in the modern day, in many Eastern workforces and workplaces as well, to demonstrate a more formal workplace attire. I will say I've never experienced a stretchy tie before. But I guess it's not necessarily stretchy, it's just how the fabric lays, right? Yeah, I mean, they're all a little stretchy. I mean, it's it's not like pulling on a piece of wire. Um, you know, almost any kind of fabric has some stretch to it. Yeah. But, yeah, when I was looking up the answers to this, since we had talked about using Quora as sort of a, crowds, a crowdsourcing venue for uh, funny answers, some of the gems that I found on Quora were to decorate one's neck in terms of answering the question of why do men wear ties. Yeah, that's valid. Um, so you can choke your boss when he pisses you off. Oh, gosh. Which is, <laughs> you know, fair, fair. And then my only good answer, this is a quote, my only good answer would be gagging and blindfolding, which is pretty kinky, a little bit, maybe... It's not how not I not necessarily tend for the workplace. Use ties, <laughs> depending on but, your workplace. Yeah. Um, yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, I wonder where this person is working. Some of the related Google questions were: Why do we wear ties in schools? Why are ties bad? Wait, did you have to wear a tie in school? Why do we 
what do businessmen wear ties, things like that. And so again, you know, it ultimately is is all going back to this sort of carryover of a of a status symbol. I did not wear a tie in school. But Were a you lot supposed of, to and you of, just broke the rule. No, a lot of private schools that have a uniform will involve a necktie. Oh, that's true. I went to private school but we didn't have to worry about that. We just weren't allowed to wear T shirts. Yeah. So um, I know you don't like ties because they're uncomfortable, right? Mm-hmm. What do you think about clip-on ties? Because it's just something at the front of your shirt, right? They're not going around your neck. They're not that stiff. So a clip-on tie is not really a tie because it's not tied. I mean, it's in the name. So I'll just say while, yeah, I don't personally like wearing a tie, I would say if you're going to do it, do it the right way. Tying a tie is not that hard. I mean, we're not dealing with these multi-layered lacy cravats anymore. And so, you know, look up a YouTube video, learn how to tie a half Windsor in a few minutes, and just do that. Clip-on ties are for toddlers. They're not, they don't, oh, it's, if you move your neck just a little bit, you can tell that it's just clipped on and it's not actually wrapping around the neck and it just looks really tacky. You know what would be a really good invention if it's not already made? Hmm. It's a clip-on tie, but instead of just being like the knot and then the dangly part, it would be the knot, the dangly part, and two rigid like pieces that come up and like kind of shoot into the collar, but don't actually go around the neck, like maybe two inches. So that way yeah. when you turned your head, then it would be okay. Yeah, that is a good idea, but the whole, reason, the whole reason why you tie them and have to adjust them a little bit is because not everybody has the same girth, girth of neck, neck yeah. and some people have a little bit more body mass or a longer torso, and so you want that built-in adjustability yeah. to make it unique to your own body size and shape. That makes sense. Is there any type of tie that you would actually ever opt to wear around your neck? Well, I mean, you know, again, if I'm wearing, if I'm already wearing a, you know, button-up shirt with a collar and, you know, a sports jacket or, or an actual suit, then sure, why not go ahead and throw a tie on there? I am more likely to wear something like a Langsdorf tie than a bow tie, personally. Why is that? I prefer the overall look a little bit more. But Reasonable. bow ties can be a lot of fun um, and can have these goofy, just sort of fun patterns, which isn't to say that a normal necktie cannot, but I don't like having too much of a billboard for like cartoon characters and stuff like that on my clothes, personally. And so That fits your personality? Yeah. I would see that. Good job. Cool. I think we succeeded. We did our first podcast. Yeah. So, uh, stay tuned uh, until next week when we cover another couple of questions of why this or that. In the meantime, by all means, comment on why or why not you think people should keep wearing heels or ties. If you're somebody who happens to wear both, I'd love to hear that story. Anything else to add, Caitlin? Any questions why that you want to know? So we are going to be publishing these on Tuesdays. And so 
next Tuesday is going to be Valentine's Day. Oh, yeah. So I guess we're going to do Valentine's. Yeah. Um, Valentine's Day. Yeah, Valentine's Day topic. So comment any questions that begin with why about anything surrounding Valentine's Day, love, romance, etc. And we'll pick one each. And you can also comment uh, what kind of coffee you like to drink in the morning. Because I feel like this is a really good morning time coffee, like, chill out podcast. So let us know what you're doing while you're listening. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Bye. Yeah. Take care, everybody.